When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. All right, this week on Live in the Bream, we could not have a better guest for where we find ourselves at this moment, at least when we're recording this. Uh, the news is changing by the minute, but we are lucky enough on Live in the Bream this week to have Hans von Spakovsky, senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He knows a lot about elections and what we may be wading into here in the coming days. Hans, great to have you with us. Shannon, thanks for having me. Okay, so at the moment you and I are talking, we are the day after the election. Um, The dust is far from settled. Um, Let's talk first about what the majority of texts and tweets and Facebook and everything else, family, friends, strangers that I'm getting is people don't understand why votes continue to surface at this hour. Are these uncounted absentee or early votes? And every state can handle this differently. So what are we seeing right now? Well, part of what we're seeing is the fact that uh, different states have different deadlines for absentee ballots. Uh, Many states require that the absentee ballot be in the hands of election officials by the end of election day. Uh, a few states prior to this election had uh, a deadline after the election, a couple of days for it to get there through the mail, as long as it was postmarked by election day. However, what's happened uh, this year is, as you, as you know, Shan, we've had an unprecedented number of lawsuits filed trying to change the rules governing absentee ballots. And, and for example, as you know, two of, two of the states that, uh, as of this morning, had not been called were, of course, Pennsylvania and North Carolina. And what happened in North Carolina was that the state board of elections simply ignored state law there and extended the deadline for the receipt of absentee ballots. Unfortunately, that's been upheld in, in the courts. Same thing in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, again, uh, you're supposed to get your absentee ballot in by election day, but the state Supreme Court, again, really without authority to do it, extended the deadline for the receipt of absentee ballots. I think unwise policies, and I really don't think they had the legal authority to do it, but that's the status of the law right now in those two states. So let's talk about Pennsylvania, because um, there have been a number of cases up to the Supreme Court uh, over the last few weeks, a number of different state challenges, um, but Pennsylvania in particular has gotten a lot of attention and because it's undecided at this moment uh, and there's still a sort of a pending petition and we'll explain a little bit of that for folks so they understand but the Supreme Court didn't rule on the merits of what happened in Pennsylvania all they have said at this point is we're not going to get involved we'll allow things to proceed but with this mention by Justice Alito on the last bit of the um, bite of the apple they had on this um, the court decided we're not going to expedite this matter but there's still a petition pending before the court, meaning the challenge to what's happening in Pennsylvania is sort of already sitting at the court. Right. Um, Justice Alito, joined by Justices Gorsuch and Thomas, um, you know, pointed out there are these groups of ballots that are supposed to be segregated out by the Secretary of the Commonwealth there in Pennsylvania. 
if they're received after 8 p.m. on election night and through Friday. So where are we with what happens to those ballots? If Pennsylvania is as close as a lot of people argue it will be, it could make a difference. Well, I suspect what will happen is if those absentee ballots, and it's the absentee ballots that have really been outstanding across the state, uh, if those absentee ballots change the uh, margin of victory, you know, right now the president is ahead, uh, but if those absentee ballots, after they're counted, change uh, the results of the election, uh, any of those ballots that uh, were involved in that, that were received late after election day, I suspect the Trump campaign may, may go to court and go back to the Supreme Court and try to argue on a substantive basis that those ballots should not be counted because you know, the Constitution gives the authority to set the rules for federal elections to state legislatures. They don't give it to the states in general, but specifically to state legislatures. And I would assume the campaign would argue that the state Supreme Court didn't have the authority to do this. If the legislature wanted to extend the deadline, they could, but not the court. Well, and that seems to be at the heart of a number of these disputes that have gotten all the way to the Supreme Court is that someone other than the state legislature has made a significant change to the law. Number of states, you've had governors or other folks argue, we're in a pandemic and we have special powers during that and we can change the way that votes are counted, whether you need witnesses or not. We have to change the, um, the rules of the game, essentially, because we're in uncharted territory with this pandemic. But you make such an important point there that it's supposed to be the state legislatures that make these changes. Right. And in a number of places, it's been either, um, you know, a state official or a court. Tell us why you think or how that could play out at the Supreme Court if they're called to weigh in on things playing out other than the state legislatures being the one making these changes. Well, what's interesting, Shannon, about this is that, uh, you know, they refused, the Supreme Court refused to issue an emergency stay to prevent the state Supreme Court's decision in Pennsylvania. But in numerous other cases, they did issue a stay in other states where the same issue was, was, was their extension of absentee ballot deadlines. But in all those other cases, it was a federal judge making the change. And in those cases, the Supreme Court said federal judges should not be interfering and changing these deadlines. Apparently, in the Chief Justice's mind, the difference in Pennsylvania was the fact that it wasn't a federal judge making the change, but it was a, a, state, mm-hmm. uh, a state court. I, I still think, though, that uh, if, if this ends up before the Supreme Court, I, I, I think that the uh, Trump uh, campaign would actually have a very good argument over the fact that um, uh, it's the state legislature that can make these changes, not uh, other officials within the state, unless the state legislature has specifically delegated the authority to do that. And I don't think that was the case in Pennsylvania. And in other states where this was an issue, uh, look, in every state, governors can, if need be, call in a special session of the legislature, even when they're not in session. So if a governor believed that there needed to be an immediate change to the election rules for the general election, there's no reason they couldn't have called in a special session and asked the legislature to do that rather than simply acting arbitrarily and doing it themselves. So when it seems like there's been some language from some of the justices to suggest that federal courts are likely to overturn, the Supreme Court's likely to overturn what some of these state bodies or state courts have done, not the legislature, 
But potentially, you can see if this lands at the court, I think we know how some of the folks are going to vote. Let me ask you about a couple. How do you think the chief, John Roberts, will weigh in on some of these things if they come before? We know that he hates the idea that the Supreme Court would look political. Um, And I got to imagine um, a Bush v. Gore situation is sort of like Roberts' worst nightmare for this court. We can't rule it out at this point. Look, I think the mistake that the chief justice has been making, particularly when he has uh, acted now as, as you know, the switch vote replacing Justice Kennedy, I think the mistake he's been making is he's been avoiding making some decisions which are, are legally correct but would be politically controversial because of exactly what you said. He doesn't want the court to be seen as taking political sides. But I think, in fact, by doing exactly that, he has made the court look more political. Because there, it's hard to explain some of his decisions other than politics, um, given the applicable uh, constitutional provisions and the law in those cases. Okay, so let's talk about the addition of Justice Barrett. Has she given us any clues how she feels about any of these topics? And what do you make um, of folks like Cory Booker, who weeks ago, the senator, who sits on the Judiciary Committee and was there um, during her confirmation hearing and asking the questions, saying, well, she's going to have to recuse herself for anything that comes before the court related to the election. Well, that that's an absurd claim, and he knows better than that. That's just a political statement. There are no uh, ethics rules in place that would require her to recuse herself. Uh, she hasn't been involved in any election. She hasn't run for office. Uh, she's not a party official in any way. So there's no reason that she would have to recuse herself. She really hasn't had a lot of election Uh, cases, in fact, at all before her when she was an appeals court judge. But the one thing we do know about her that she made very clear uh, in all the court decisions is that uh, she's going to apply the provisions of the Constitution as they're written, as the plain text dictates. And I think if uh, this issue comes before before the court, uh, she's going to apply that provision of the Constitution that says it's the state legislatures that have the authority to make the changes. And unless the state legislature, in a particular state, as I said, delegated the authority to make changes to a governor or, or some other body, I, I, I don't think the court would have any choice if they want to follow the Constitution other than to say that these kind of arbitrary changes by agencies or officials within a state other than the state legislature just can't be upheld. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. All right, you want to give us the odds you think that this ends up this election at SCOTUS uh, and that they that we have Bush v. Gore 2.0, or do you think there are uh, some other paths that may keep us from going there? I think it all depends on the final margin of victory mm-hmm. in these crucial states, because uh, the issue will be, um, did the absentee ballots that were uh, counted and accepted after the usual deadline set by state law, did they make the difference in the election? Uh, If, in fact, that's correct, that they changed who won the election, well, then I think it's it's pretty likely that we might end up before the Supreme Court if the outcome in that state or another state actually decides who is the president of the United States. 
Okay, we're already hearing potentially there will be a demand for a recount by the Trump campaign, possibly in Wisconsin, based on how the ultimate vote settles out there, at least the initial counting of it. Explain to us how recounts work state by state. Uh, Is that a function of state law? Are they all different? How do we know when they may be triggered? And are they worth the time for a campaign? Uh, the rules regarding recounts are different in all of the states. And in many states, there's a triggering amount. In some states, it's half a percentage point. In other states, it's one percentage point. And uh, if the margin of victory is, is within that percentage, then a, a candidate can demand a recount without it costing him anything. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if, you're, if you're outside of whatever that statutory margin of victory is, a candidate can still demand a recount, but usually they have to pay all of the costs of the state officials and local officials who are involved in it. So uh, it depends entirely on what the rules are of a particular state that govern how, how the recount is done. And you know what happens is they basically take all the ballots that have been cast in every single precinct uh, and all the absentee ballots and they go through and they recount every single ballot. Wow. Are there states where they do not count some of the mail-in or absentee ballots unless there is a certain margin of victory for one of the other, uh, one or the other candidates? Uh, Do those always get counted in all states? Well, I think legally they're supposed to, but I don't think election officials always always do that. Um, It's the same thing with provisional balloting. You know, we've been talking about absentee ballots, but remember, there's also a certain number of provisional ballots that are generated in every polling place. Those are ballots cast by people who, when they showed up at their polling place, there was a problem. For example, they might not be on the voter registration list. And what has to happen with all those provisional ballots is after election day is over, election officials have to investigate every single one of those provisional ballots and decide whether or not the ballot should be counted. And it used to be in places like um, Los Angeles, if the number of provisional ballots was smaller than the margin of victory, they wouldn't bother to to investigate and count them. That changed in 2002 with the Help America Vote Act, which requires in federal elections that every provisional ballot be uh, investigated and a decision made whether or not it's going to count or not. And the voter has to be notified whether their ballot is going to count or not. Does that happen? Does, does it happen? Yeah. I yeah. mean, a lot, what, a lot of, what a lot of jurisdictions do is they set up an 800 number. Mm. So you as a voter can call up and find out whether your ballot got counted. I, I, I used to do that as a county election official. I'd estimate that probably 60% of provisional ballots ended up being counted because it turned out that some kind of administrative error Mm-hmm. had been made by election officials, like by by mistake, somebody's name who was registered to vote was left off the voter registration list. In that case, because it's the election officials' errors, those votes would count. Okay, so there's been a lot of conversation today about the fact that if the Trump campaign goes to court, they're essentially trying to play dirty and steal the election. But I got to say, the, the election cases that I've seen uh, over the last few weeks and months have been filed both by Democrats and Republicans challenging different portions of the law. What do you make about the fact that this is being portrayed as something partisan? I would imagine, and if your legal counselor would advise the Biden campaign, if there's a narrow uh, margin for victory for President Trump and the questions about absentee ballots, I 
can't imagine. They wouldn't also go to court. It, it seems to me that both sides heavily lawyered up going into this um, and suggested that they were prepared for legal challenges. It doesn't seem like a, it should be a partisan issue about whether or not you go to court. No, I, I, I agree with that. And if, if, in fact, you have evidence that, for example, election officials have been counting uh, and processing ballots that don't comply with state law, uh, you should go to court because there are rules and laws and regulations set up by state legislatures and election officials prior to an election. And the whole point of a fair election is that everybody has to abide by those rules. And you can't have election officials in particular locations, for example, deciding, oh, we're, we're just going to waive these, these legal requirements uh, and not abide by them. That, that's the kind of thing, as you know, that happened in Florida in 2000 and why the Supreme Court actually got involved because different counties in Florida were using differing standards on what they would consider a vote or not. If the Supreme Court came in and said, you, you can't do that. You have to have the same standard used when you're evaluating ballots and votes throughout an entire state. All right, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of moot court. We're going back to law school here. So I'm going to ask you to argue both sides of this. What's your best advice first to the Biden campaign and then to the Trump campaign about where you go legally? Well, it's the Biden campaign and Democrats who have filed the majority of lawsuits trying to change the rules governing absentee ballots. You know, they filed lawsuits not only trying to extend the absentee ballot deadline, but also, for example, trying to avoid out witness signature requirements, for example, that many states have for absentee ballots. So if I was the Biden campaign, I obviously would be in court saying, oh, every, every vote should count. Even the rejected absentee ballots, the ballots that were rejected because they weren't received on time or they weren't in compliance with state law. Whereas if I was uh, representing the uh, Trump campaign, I would be in court saying, look, uh, this nation is governed by the rule of law, and you shouldn't change the rules and regulations in the middle of an election, and the state and election officials need to follow the laws set out by the legislature, and that means you only count and accept ballots that are in full compliance with all of those requirements. All right. We've been talking with Hans von Spakovsky, Senior Legal Fellow at the Heritage Foundation. I am so glad that we scheduled this. And we were trying to think ahead this podcast <laughs> That's right. for the day after the election because we know you have overseen this kind of thing and are very experienced here. So thank you for letting us pick your brain on this week's Live in the Brain. Uh, I feel like we could record this in five minutes and we have information again. And maybe we'll have to do that. Hans, thank you. Thanks for having me. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.